it also displays an attitude and perspective that's way beyond human ability in all circumstances, that I can live right and above all my circumstances. I can live other than my circumstances. So while every person can experience happiness in the world, and we all do it sometimes and to some degree, only those that are right with God, only those that are filled with this Holy Spirit can truly experience real, invincible joy. Joy that will overcome. Joy that will last. Joy that is invincible. So how do you find this joy that's in, in, invincible? How do you stay in it and remain in this joy that's invincible? Well, I want you to read what Paul wrote to the church. And he wrote this to a church in Philippi. He wrote it about 30 years after Jesus' death. And he wrote it from prison. He was in prison. He was in a bad situation, in a bad circumstances. He was in Rome. But he wrote this book to the church to encourage them to stay focused on what was true and to stay in joy and maintain their invincible joy. And so I want you to read with me what he has to say. And this is what Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, he's saying this from prison. He's saying this from a place of suffering. He's in a bad situation, and he said it twice. When apostles say something twice, when mom and dad say something twice, they mean it. They want you to pay attention. It's so important. <coughs> so rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. He can even say that in prison. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will come and guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's the truth. You can, you can count on that promise. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent, or praiseworthy. Think about such things. Let your mind rest and dwell on these things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. What a great passage of Scripture. Many of us have read that over and over again. We've talked about it over and over again, but it's important to be reminded of it again, especially in the new year. If there's one thing that I want to see happen in the new year, it's to see the joy of the Lord indeed be our strength. I want to see us, and I want to see myself, expand in joy. I want to see us be a people of joy. I want people to look at us and wonder, what do we have? And how do I get it? Because the joy of the Lord is indeed in our lives. And so let's talk about it. Where, what kind of directions did Paul get give us for finding real invincible joy, finding real joy and remaining in it. Well, here's the first thing. Right away, our passage tells us, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Not rejoice in what we have, not rejoice in the next trip we're going to take, 
not rejoice in the place we're going to dinner, not rejoice in the new home we want to buy, not rejoice in all the many, many things that we rejoice in as human beings or get focused on. We just had got gifts and we we're focused on trying to get the right gift for people and then to receive the right gift. We can be focused on so many things, she says, rejoice in the Lord always in him. Again, I say rejoice. And then at the end of verse 5, he adds, the Lord is near. Tell yourself that. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you feel. The Lord is near. He's with us. Christmas tells us so. He came to earth as a baby. He lived. He died. And Easter tells us he died. And then he was resurrected. <clears throat> and he's with us. He sent his spirit back. He's in us. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. So rejoice in him. He's right there. Let me tell you something. That gives me a lot of peace, doesn't it, you? To know that the Lord is there, not just right here, but he's right here. He's with us. That should give you a lot of peace. Think about that. Is, is there any enemy that you couldn't stand before if you knew the Lord was right there with you? Huh? You know, having peace? I've had to have peace with five guys who had knives, and then I was sure we're bringing out of a gun out of a car, but the peace of the Lord was with me because I was supposed to intercede for this other guy that was going to get him, his clock cleaned by all of them and being drugged out of a car. But the peace of the Lord was there with me. You know, not because I'm so bad or so tough, because I, I would have been toast, but the Lord was there. Is the peace of the Lord with you? Do you know he's there? Are you rejoicing in him because you know he's there? So he tells us that, rejoicing. And, it, and every time, there's one thing for sure, as you look through the, the story of Christmas, every time the presence of the Lord is revealed, Every time his angel servant showed up after being scared spitless, or when his glory showed up, or the good news message was given, joy always followed and was present too. Where the presence of the Lord is, there is joy. Always. And he's near. So we are, we're kind of asking ourselves, where's that joy then, if he's near? Where's that joy? How am I missing that joy? How is it leaking out? Because it's there for me. And God wants it there for me. So this first verse reveals to us that God, <coughs> God's will for us is to experience and remain in joy always. Say the word always. 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 Say it again. Always. always. Joy. Always. That's God's will for you and me in Christ Jesus. To remain in his joy always. Well, how do we do that? How do we do that? The Lord is near. Say, the Lord is near. He's near. He's right there. And I guarantee, I've heard one person say one time, if you knew the Lord was right next door to you, <coughs> praying for you and interceding for you, is there anything you wouldn't have the courage or faith to do? Well, no. The Lord says he's interceding for us at the right hand of the Father. He's speaking your names. My name. He knows me. 
I, I'm not so sure what he thinks about me all the time. But I go, oh, God, get it right now. No, he loves me, and he loves you. He is tickled about you. He is tickled about you. He has great plans for you, just as he does for me. So that's how we do it. Well, how do we connect to his nearness, though? We connect by intentionally going to him in faith through prayer. That's how you connect. You know why we're always kind of harping on the prayer thing and always kind of pushing on the prayer and encouraging one another in prayer? Because when you go to God in faith, in prayer, you connect with him, and you realize he's near. He's near. You know one thing is about God? God is different than you and me. He's not pushy. He's not dominant as far as he's going to dominate our will. He's a gentleman, and he's gentle, and he's respectful. So he's going to wait for you to will to be near him. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with me. But we have to connect in faith through prayer. E. Stanley Joan wrote this, and it's going to be up on the screen as well, and you can read this, and it's so good. He was a missionary way back when, and he wrote this. In prayer, you align yourself to the purpose and power of God, and he's able to do things through you that he couldn't do otherwise. You see, he wants to do some things. For this is an open universe. We're not just robots. It's open. Where some things are left open, contingent upon our doing them. If we do not do them, they will never be done. For God has left certain things open to prayer. Things which will never be done except we pray. I'm here to tell you, he spoke a true word. God is sovereign, but in his sovereignty, he calls us to work with him. He, he, he calls us to do that. He loves relationship and fellowship. And it's in that way that we must do our part so that he can do his part. We're partners. I want you to listen to what Andrew Murray says, and he encourages us in this. God wills a great deal of blessing to his people, which never comes to them. He still loves us. Never comes to them. His will... He wills it most earnestly, even. But they do not will it. Because we do not will it, we don't receive those blessings that he would give to us if he would will it. You understand that? He won't make us take what we're not willing to receive. He doesn't push us and drive it down our throat. It cannot come to us or to them <coughs> because we do not will it. And God has asked us, you make the choice. You choose to will it or not will it. Think about that. It makes sense, doesn't it? Galatians 5, through 23 tells us, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. God wants to give them in abundance. You know, you notice it's the fruit of the Spirit. God will... It's, it's this one fruit. It's his spirit. And it will show itself in so many ways. And one of the major ways it shows itself is in joy. <coughs> so if you and I want joy, we have to expect it. We have to look for it. That's what the old song used to say. If you want joy, you must ask for it. Do you remember? The joy of the Lord is my strength. 
How many people knew that song? Okay, a few. Good. I won't sing anymore because I've been told not to sing recorded, you know, on stage. <laughs> so I won't. But if you want joy, you've got to expect it. You've got to look for it. You have to intentionally ask for it. You have to receive it as a tangible gift of the Holy Spirit of God. He wills to give you and me this fruit, but do we will it? That's the first thing we have to realize. Do we will it? We must intentionally go to that source of, the source of this fruit of joy in faith through prayer, and we have to pick the fruit that is for our picking, that is offered to us to receive joy. So that's where we have to go first. This year, as we move into 2024, I want to call you to prayer like we've never prayed before. Travel new territory with the Lord. That will keep your relationship with him fresh, and I guarantee you wants to take you on that journey. Pray. Come in faith. Wait on God. Be still and know that he is God. Don't tell him what to tell you or what he's not doing. Listen and let him tell you what he wants to do and receive for him the, the gifts that he wants to give. And the big one is joy. He's offering us joy. Amen. Well, there's a next thing. We're instructed to do something else in this passage. Limit the negative by not focusing on it. Limit the negative by not focusing on it. You're all going to have negative things in your life. I'm going to have negative things in my life. But we cannot get caught focusing on them, right? You hit every target you're focused on. <coughs> you heard me say it before. When you're rowing in a river, you don't want to look at the rocks. Because if you're rowing through the current, if you start looking at rocks, you're going to hit them. You've got to look where the current's going and follow it, Right? Or else you get high sighted over and over again. I've been with people on the river, and all they do is go from rock to rock to rock to rock to rock. I go, quit looking at the rocks! You're going to hit every one of them if you're focused on it. Look at where you want to go. Because you hit every target you're focused on, don't you? Right? If I'm pointing a gun at a target there, but I'm looking here, I'm not going to hit that target. I'm going to end up turning it, and I'm going to hit that target. Same on a motorcycle. I've learned that the hard way. Don't ever mess around on motorcycles on freeways. Okay? Just don't do that. I'm just telling you. John Carter. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways. One of the opposites of joy, this passage tells us, is anxiety or fear. That's an opposite. According to our passage, we're to resolve our anxiety and our fear encounter it always by coming to God in faith through prayer, presenting our requests and our needs to him, and then relishing in his promise of power and the Holy Spirit's fruit and presence to see us through and resolve our problem and meet our need. I, I'm here to tell you, I hope you've experienced that as I have experienced that in my walk with the Lord early, early on. Uh, the Lord was very precious to me and changed my life completely. And I would spend many times and many nights walking with the Lord in prayer and pouring out my heart to the Lord, even as a high school student and college student and as, as time went on. And I can remember early on with the Lord, I would give him a hard time. And I'd say, God, I want you to, <clears throat> I want you to tell me exactly about this thing. 
I want you to resolve this, and I want it this way, and da-da-da-da-da. And the Lord would never give me a clear answer. And I'd go, God, I want you to put that sign in neon lights and speak really loud. And, and the Lord would never do that, because he, he was patient with me, because I was a young believer. And what he would end up doing is, by the time I was done in prayer and walking, I had complete peace about all these things I had prayed about. But I still had no definite answer. And so I remember reading this verse. I put it to memory. And I said, God, I love that. You're keeping your promise because you're removing all anxiety from me. And, and you're guarding my heart with this peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, so you're keeping your promise. I, I don't want that promise, Kev. I want you to tell me specifically. Quit just giving me peace. Could you imagine saying that to the Lord? I don't just want peace. I want these tangible things. And the Lord just said, oh, that's going to be cute. Okay, you'll grow up someday. Right? You'll grow. And I did. And I found out that the reason God gives you peace and guards your heart is because the answers to our prayers take time. Many times. They take time. And we have to give God time. <coughs> Amen? <coughs> so God wants to resolve our problems and meet our needs. And we're to come to him. And he wants to replace our anxiety and fear with his peace and with his joy, with the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus said in John 10, 10, and you guys know this verse, this is a pretty common one, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Remember, the evil one's trying to steal from you, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. The devil and the desires of the world, they seek to distract us. They'll do it. That's their game. So the evil one can still kill and destroy. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted by these things. Because we hit the target we're focused on. Rather, focus on the reality. The reality is that he has come to give us life and life more abundantly. So, so focus on that life. That abundant life. Jesus says in, in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So come to him. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Come to him. Find the way, the truth, and the life that you need. All of his truth, all of his good news promises are true and real. That's what's reality. <coughs> that is what's reality. The grave was not reality, was it? No. The resurrection was the reality. Right? Amen. You know, King Herod trying to kill all the little kids that were two years old and younger, trying to take this Messiah away, that wasn't reality because the Savior was born. And God did his <coughs> will by causing him to grow as a human being and then sacrifice himself on our behalf. That's reality. The circumstances I'm facing, you're facing, are not reality. You know what I'm saying? It's what's God, what is God saying? What is his will? Where is he going? That's, what, that's reality. The kingdom of God is what's reality. What God has to say, that's what's real. Not my own perceptions from a limited view. That's not real. Paul only says, do not, once in this passage. And he does that because he wants us to limit 
the negative in our mind in our life instead he fills his passage with exhortations that are positive that affirm over and over again the things that we are to do and why does he do that because whatever target we're focused on with our eyes our mind our body and our heart we're going to hit it <coughs> therefore you and i we've got to take some time before this new year starts to glean our life and our mind of everything, every habit, every routine, every common way of thinking that distracts us from God's good will, from God's good word, and from God's way, and leads us rather to negativity and sin. We need to take some time so that we might be able to enter the new year unentangled and unhindered. I hope you do that. We cannot rid our lives of trials. It's never going to happen. You cannot rid your life of losses. You're going to continue to have them the older you get. You cannot rid your life of hard times or griefs or persecution because those things have been promised to us. So we're never going to rid our lives of those things, but we can rid our lives and our heart of the negative ways we view these things, the negative ways we respond to these trials, these losses, these sufferings, these persecutions. See, let me ask you this question. Where have you gotten stuck and locked in on the negative in your life? Some of us are there this, are right there this morning. We are stuck and focused on the negative in our lives. What we don't have, what's going wrong, what isn't working. What things, what habits, what routines and ways of thinking do you need to let go of and repent of because they're causing you to hit the wrong negative target? <coughs> because all you can focus on <coughs> are those things. The Bible says don't focus on your circumstances. Don't focus on the darkness. Light a lamp. Focus on the light and go to the light. Go where you're supposed to be going. Go where I'm calling you to go. I love you. I've given you promises. Now come to me and do the will of God. It'll overcome the world. Where are you not considering it all joy when you encounter trials and losses in your life? Not seeing God's care within them. Not knowing that those things are going to come to all people. Not knowing that these are opportunities that are presented to you to learn, to grow, to experience the supernatural presence and care and fruit of God's Holy Spirit. That's what they're for. We all get pushed. To our limit we all do I can remember when that verse in James became real to me to consider it all joy my brothers whenever you encounter various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let let endurance have its perfect result that you might be perfect and complete lacking in nothing I had to memorize that because I wanted to always fight trials and, and circumstances and injustice I, I wanted you know, to be a superman and fight all those things and write all those things. I wanted to be the equalizer in some ways. You know, I didn't say that intentionally, but that's the way it worked out many times. And I found myself caught up <coughs> in negativity. Um, and the Lord caught my attention in college. And he spoke that verse to me. And it changed my life. It changed my life. But I had to, it took, it, took, it took a pretty severe trial to get me there. 
but it caused me to grow and I was never the same. See, God has a purpose and a plan in these things. Nothing enters your life that he doesn't know it's entering your life. But the question is, where are you looking and who are you going to? How are you overcoming these things? If you want to try to handle it yourself, if I want to try to handle it myself, you know, God will stand there and he'll say, come on, I'm here. Don't do that. It's going to hurt you. That's going to be hard. But he wants you to grow and he wants us to grow because he loves us. And he says, you don't have to do that. But I can't make you do what you're not willing to do. Come on. Let's be inspired to trust the Lord and be willing. Be willing and get rid of these things that are robbing us from the joy we could have, from this fruit of joy that's waiting for us. Let's not focus on the negative, and let's get rid of the things that drag us down. So I don't know what you have in your life right now, what routines or habits or ways of thinking, but I'm, I'm calling you, drop them and get rid of them. Repent of them, confess them to somebody and to the Lord, and let go of them and move on. Move on, because God has something better for you and me. Lastly, the last point I want to point out is that we're to pay attention to the good. That's what the passage is trying to tell us. And it's almost screaming loud to us. Pay attention to the good. You know, if you want to heal, if you want to rewrite the negative ways your mind thinks, practice memorizing and meditating on God's words and promises. Meditating on the truth. That's the way a mind is rewired. You begin to focus and meditate on the truth. The truth that God has given you. The truth of what's really real. So we got to meditate on it. And that means we, we pay attention to the positive instead of the negative. As I want to hit that instead of the negative. Uh, I, stay, I, I stay and I pay attention to the good instead of the evil. Pay attention to that good instead of the evil. It means don't turn a blind eye. Be wise about evil. But focus on the good. We also want to focus on what we have instead of what we don't have. Focus on what you have, not on what you don't have. The life you have, where God is leading you instead of getting stuck in your loss and the past. See, I, I just, I, I'm, I have so much empathy and compassion for people in that area. We get stuck in those things. Let's let it go. Let's let it go. Trust the Lord. He loves you. He's got greater plans. But you've got to let some things go. You've got to remove them from your life. When I came to Christ, I had to clean out my whole bedroom of things. Stuff on my walls, stuff in my closets, things that were hidden. I had to totally clean it out. Why? Because they were targets I was going to hit again if I left them there. They were targets calling me back. You have the same in your life I do now. We have some targets we've got to get rid of. We've got to let go of so that we're not stuck constantly mourning losses, stuck constantly with negative patterns in our lives and going nowhere. And the only one who wins is the evil one, not us. Researchers have found that another important aspect or benefit of joy, guess what? It builds your brain strength. So it's a good thing right? As Martha Stewart would say. When our brain experiences joy, it, release, it releases opiates that are necessary for feeling calm, feeling safe, energized, elated, and many other positive emotional states. These chemicals help to boost our mood and they make us feel good. 
They really do. Joy is wonderful. Rejoicing in the Lord, and then all of a sudden, having, experiencing him because he's near and he touches you, that is a joy in a high, well beyond any joy or ever high I've ever had in my life, and I've had some. <coughs> it goes well beyond that. In verses 8 through 9, Paul is telling us basically, pay attention to the good and focus on it. He says again in verses 8 through 9, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, what is pure, what is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. They're everywhere in life. But think about these things. Let your mind dwell on them. Let your heart dwell on them. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, here's the key. Put it into practice. Don't just let it go in one ear and out the other. Don't let this message go in one ear and out the other. Put it into practice. And then he says, and the God of peace will be with you. I know what I'm saying. God of peace will be with you. So consider these things. Do these things. Pursue these things. So I want to just leave you with some practical ways to re rewire kind of your brain and your soul to be more joyful and, and, and happier. And here's just five of them. One, meditation rewires your brain. Think about that. If you don't practice the spiritual discipline of meditation, it's basically looking at a passage of scripture, uh, looking at a truth that God is revealing to you, and spending time with it, thinking about it, looking at all the angles to it, chewing it, um, researching it, studying it, um, being blessed by it. And, and I could go on and on about it, but it's basically just working it over and chewing it and not just hearing God's word once and then moving on or reading a passage and just moving on, but it's staying with it until you get some good nourishment from it. So practice meditation, and, and I can give you guidelines on how to meditate more if you'd like them. Two, count your blessings. We hear that all the time. Three, take time to write and reflect. That's really kind of something that helps to move in the, in the area of meditation. That sounds like work to a lot of people. It, it's really, you're beginning to not just bounce over the, the super, superficial surface of life. So you are reflecting and you're thinking. And when you write, it untangles your thoughts, doesn't it? It untangles your mind. And it makes some things clear. So practice that. Number four, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, set God-given goals every single day. I've noticed something that, what, I, I, I have a habit, I, I gained it in college, I write lists, some of you are list writers too, and I have a schedule, but anything that's written down, I do. If it's not written down, guess what? It doesn't get done most of the time. Every so often it'll get done, but that's a blue moon, but if it's written down, it gets done. So set a goal under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Don't set goals just because you're trying to be Superman or Superwoman and have this list, and do this thing. No, come to the Lord and just say, and if the Lord gives you one thing to do that day, praise the Lord, do it. If he gives you three, praise the Lord. But if the Lord has given you, I would say, 
eh, after, you, after three or make him, you know, after five, definitely, you got to question whether the Lord's giving you more than that. Because <laughs> it's hard, uh, and we get zealous, and the evil one tries to push us to an extreme. So be careful with that one and follow the Holy Spirit on it. But set a goal every day. And then five, choose joy. Stop abruptly this little mantra that we have, that I'll be happy when, okay? No. I'll be happy now. Amen? I'll be joyful now. I'm not going to be joyful when I retire. Or I'm not going to be joyful when I lose 60 pounds. Right? No. I'm going to be joyful now as a heavy dude and out of shape if I'm going to be joyful. You know, Trent and Naomi aren't going to be happy when they're married, right? They're happy now. Joyful now. And we don't want to keep going because we have a tendency to do that. I'll be happy when I'm this. I'll be happy when I've got this income, this job, this thing, this, that. No. Choose joy now. And stop abruptly that mantra. So in choosing to go to the source of joy and faith through prayer, in choosing to not focus on the negative, but to focus and pay attention to reality, God, a good God with a good message and a good will for your life, guess what? There's hope. There's hope in that. And with choosing joy, trials, losses, hardships, they offer growth opportunities. They offer opportunities more than just growth to witness for Christ. They offer real hope to us that the Lord is moving and working and doing something in and through our lives. I want you to listen to the witness of the psalmist as we close in Psalm 30, 11. This is what David wrote. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. He wrote that down. See, David was a good meditator. He was, he was good at that spiritual discipline of prayer and meditation. And it really br brought so many benefits to his life. And then Psalm 16, 11, it said, You showed me the way of life. God wants to. Granting me the joy of your presence. God wants to show us the joy of, of his presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. You showed me those things, too, that were future. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's where God wants us. You're going to stand with me this morning as we close in prayer.